In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? This question hit home for me last Sunday as I participated in Journey to Bethlehem at our sister congregation in Sun Prairie. I just finished a three-hour shift portraying the prophet Isaiah, and you can see why they chose me to be the prophet Isaiah right here. Then I decided quickly to get out of the costume because my daughter Catherine was in the last group that got to see me play Isaiah and then get in line and go through the rest of this thing. If you've never been to Journey to Bethlehem, it's more than just a living nativity. You walk through Bethlehem as you walk through their church building. And the scene is the morning after the birth of our Savior, according to the flesh. Along the way, you meet people, Bethlehem people, living their lives as it would might have been that morning after the birth of Jesus. You see them doing what they did in life. You see a regular family with small children. You see a baker. You see a candle maker. You see a winemaker. You see people who are working at the temple. You see all sorts of different stations in life. And you hear their reactions to this star that was hovering over their village the night before. And all of the rumors that they keep hearing around their little village about this thing that just happened. Roman soldiers are milling throughout the whole area. And every time there is talk of Messiah, they tend to roll their eyes uh, at all of this conversation. And all these Jews and all of their weird religious beliefs. There's even an area that you walk through that is a Roman garrison. And there are prisoners who stand behind bars and are beating on the bars and yelling things like, The revolution has begun! The revolution has begun! We will be free from these Roman dirtbags! And as you keep walking, you run into Pharisees. Three of them. One of them says, Don't you know, this is the revolution. The nation of Israel will once again rise up and be the most powerful nation in the world. And this child shall lead us. He is the one. And another Pharisee says, I don't know about that. Maybe this is the one who is to come to save his people from their sins. And just about the time a Roman soldier walks by, the third Pharisee goes, I just don't think we ought to get involved in this whole thing. Let's just keep our head down and our mouths shut so that we don't get crucified. And then you walk down the street a little bit more and you meet the innkeeper and his family. And then you meet the shepherds who let you know that Mary and Joseph probably could have gotten into the inn if they would have bribed them. But they too said, we ran in from the fields Because we saw this star and we heard these angels singing. And in fact, if you just go right over there, you'll see him. And so you go up to the next spot and you look around the corner and there's a young man and a young woman and she's holding a baby. And all Mary says to you is, look at our new son. We call him Jesus. And then you're out the door. That event got me to thinking what my reaction would be if I were in Bethlehem that next day.
Whether or not that is the intent of the journey to Bethlehem, that event should make you think as well. Ask yourself the same question as the disciples of John asked Jesus. Are you, Jesus, the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? You've probably seen the phrase, wise men still seek him somewhere around this time of year. For what or whom are wise men seeking? Are they seeking that political revolutionary who will at last make America a truly Christian nation with truly Christian leaders and truly Christian laws in order to make everyone in this country a Christian? Or do they not want to get involved, fearing friends, neighbors, and even their own family members who will want nothing to do with them when they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Or could it be, could it be as the Christmas carol sings, Gentle Mary laid her child lowly in a manger. There he lay the undefiled to the world a stranger. Such a babe in such a place. Can he be the savior? Ask the saved of all the race who have found his favor. You don't have to think about the matter too hard because Jesus gives us the answer to the disciples of John's question. When he says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Holy Scripture, when it gives us a list of things that happen, often move in one of two directions. Either they're moving from the greater event to the lesser event, or in this case, they move from the lesser event to the greater event. So all of these signs that Jesus talks about, they're really good. But the greatest one of all here is that the poor have good news preached to them. How can it be that the preaching of the gospel is the greatest wonder when set beside all these other signs? If anything, the preaching of the gospel does not pack the dramatic punch as healing the blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, and especially the dead being raised. We are accustomed to seeing before believing. We make bargains with God sometimes because we want to see whether or not he's going to come through for us. We might say something like, God, if you want me to do this or that thing in my life, if you'll give me some sort of sign that you agree that I am doing this thing and it is right, then yes, I will believe in you. And so God doesn't give you a sign. Because you like to play the control game with God. You want him to work in your way, not in his way. So you think, well, he's not listening. Or worse yet, he really doesn't care for me. So you start the search. The search for another one who is to come. In this search for another, you may find many other gods that might soothe your conscience. But that soothing only lasts a little while and it disappears. And then you're right back to where you started, seeking the one who is to come and wondering whether or not this is the one who is to come. Or maybe you're like that Pharisee at Journey to Bethlehem. I just don't want to get involved. It's too scary. I've been so disappointed so many times in the past that it's just best that I lay out from now on. So, for whom then do you seek? 
Do you seek marvels and wonders? Do you seek everyone to get along and not make waves? Or have you overlooked the thing that seeks you? The preaching of good news to poor souls. That which is not often sought finds its way to you. When it finds you, it does as the prophet Ezekiel says. It turns a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. This heart transformation by the preaching of the good news does not happen with great pomp and circumstance. And that is why oftentimes, beloved, yes, even pastor included, we don't think much of it. Now, a miracle, a wondrous sign, we'll get behind that every time. Because, well, I saw it. I saw someone being sick. And now they're not sick. I saw someone being raised from the dead. They were room temperature. Now they're 98.6. But the preaching of the gospel? It's just a guy wearing funny clothes, standing in a box, talking to me about sin, talking to me about grace. Where is the disembodied hand that comes down of heaven like out of a Monty Python skit that goes, da-da-da-da, miracle taking place? It's not there. Someone comes into your midst and tells you the good news. The good news that Jesus Christ covers your sin with his blood and his righteousness. You are innocent. There is no sin that now clings to you. Not one. Including the one that's in the back of your mind that you're trying to hide from everybody. You live because Jesus Christ died for you. And he lived again. That someone who brings you this good news, beloved, is often a pastor whom a congregation calls to hand over the gifts of the good news in preaching, in baptism, in the forgiveness of sins, and in the Lord's Supper. But it's not often always a pastor. Sometimes it's a Sunday school teacher. And I had some good ones growing up. They got me to Jesus every time. They showed me the reason why Jesus did what he did for me. That someone might also be a parent or a grandparent because grandparents love to tell Bible stories. When the grandkids or great-grandkids get dropped off at your house, tell them Bible stories. If you know them well enough, you don't even need to get out the big book. You can just start talking to them about it. Maybe it's even another friend or a family member who knew you were struggling and pulled you aside and told you about the hope of Jesus. It might even be a Lutheran congregation who puts on a free oversized living nativity and asks your pastor to volunteer his time portraying an Old Testament prophet. You never know. One thing is for certain, though. The preaching of the good news is reliably found where Jesus promises to put himself for sinners. Word, water, bread, wine. This we know. This we believe.
The disciples of John had it good. They were able to see the good news in the flesh with their own eyes. Though Jesus is not physically present in our midst, he is present. Present in his holy gifts given to his holy ones, you and me. It may not be a flashy performance. You might not even feel like something has happened. You probably left church some days with tears in your eyes going, what an amazing Savior we have. Then there are those days when you leave and you go, well, he hit a solid base hit in the pulpit today, and maybe that's about the best thing you can say about the preacher. Yet that is how the gospel often works. And here's how Martin Luther put it in his exposition of Micah chapter 1. The good doctor says, What can be said that is more marvelous than this? That the Son of God assumes the flesh of man and is born of a virgin. What is more astounding than this? That the Son of God, battling with death and the devil, allows himself to be overcome, offers his life to his enemies, and overcomes while being overcome. And the miracle supreme is this, that the man Christ, who died on the cross, rises from death and from the sealed grave on the third day, ascends to heaven and sits at the right hand of God with his flesh. So far, the venerable doctor. Let me ask you this one more time. Is Jesus the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Here's another answer maybe we haven't thought of. Gentle Mary laid her child lowly in a manger. He is still the undefiled, but no more a stranger. Son of God of humble birth. Beautiful the story. Praise his name in all the earth. Hail the King of glory. And that's my final answer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.